because people are always just pushed in this direction of hustle, more numbers. Like if you want to grow, you got to do this. Mm-hmm. And people just lay out the all the shit you have to do, mm-hmm. all the shit you have to do to get big or get. And like people think that there's some kind of happiness on the other side of that. And it's like if you're not making any videos that are for you, are about your life, are about the people you love, then like just it's going to be tough to really, really, really be happy as an artist, at least. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season two of the 505 podcast. Today, we welcome Sam Newton to the show. Sam is a man of many talents, not only a travel filmmaker, but an incredibly talented musician. Sam has seen incredible growth over the last year on YouTube, so much so that he was selected to be an official Canon ambassador. Sam, welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Thank you for having me, guys. Let's go. appreciate it. Okay, well, start us off really strong right now with the one-handed crack challenge. Um, Big shoes to fill. Season two, and I, I really want to see what you got in there. <laughs> well, I'm going to lower the bar. You set yeah. the bar high. I'm going to lower it for myself. So maybe okay. I'll go for the weakest. And okay. then if I... Mm, there you if go. it goes oh, higher. Go. Okay. All right. Yep. So, so it has to be off. has to be off the table. Off. It's the only rule. Is it a one-hander? It's a one-hander. Yeah, yeah it's a one-hander thing. The one-handed crack. Two. Honestly, solid. No. You know, not it wasn't. <laughs> it, it had a it had a strong um, a strong start and a terrible <laughs> finish. <laughs> don't, don't fucking. <laughs> We're gonna give a three two to start the pod. <laughs> Sam, welcome to the show, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Zamboni. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That'll give you a point. <laughs> I'm gonna want, give you an honorary. Is that the eight, new? Three? Is that the new low? No, no. no. Oh, yeah, we've had some NAs. Zero. We've had some we've zeros. We've had a few NAs. Yeah. People that don't listen and just like crack it right on the thing. See, he so just showed you. Just see how that, that, so what would that? What would that? That was a seven because it wasn't as clean and also it didn't go back in the same motion. I had to put it on the table. But Damn, man. Bunch of should have, see, yeah. see, I think it really comes down to. I hit more of like a side angle. Yeah, and I think it's, it's grip strength. Yeah, a finger on the end strength. really helps. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you eight three just because mm. like one point higher than Romo. How many? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. How many dents have you seen like that though? That's how you. Oh, know that's pretty dense. Yeah. 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 That, that, that was a good yeah. dent. Yeah. That was a good dent. <laughs> strength without finger isolation is what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have like social anxiety when it comes down to like you always know what beer I'm drinking at a party because it will have like a big ass dent in it or if I have like the wrapper. I'm the guy who like peels the wrapper while I'm talking yeah, to someone and not, yeah, not know it. And then it's like, oh, where's my beer? I'm like, yeah, found it. <laughs> I, the one that looks like it's been thrown against the wall. I'm, right, I'm going to try this. I always do the uh, oh, over the laptop. I, I love the confidence. You don't have to do That's it. how you know you're yeah, a not pro. Don't do it. Seriously, don't do it. Don't do it. I always turn the the thing to the side so I know. Ah, which. dent. Dent. Yeah, dented dented it. It. These are hard, dude. It's honestly. That's what I was going to say. It's the can, man. Give me a better. It's a thin aluminum. It's a thin aluminum. So did you just get off a plane? Like. Uh, like two few, days ago, yeah. Two nice. days ago. How yeah. long was this flight? <laughs> the, well, okay, so it was broken. I just came from Patagonia, mm-hmm. and it was four, which is not not a jacket company. <laughs> no, well, it is. It's no, both. it's crazy. Like it's a the real fact place. that they named an entire place after a clothing right. company is cool. They really <laughs> yeah. fuck with it. It really speaks to the success of this jacket. <laughs> uh, no, I went to Patagonia for a week, but it took forty hours both ways <sighs> to get to. So seven hour flight to. Columbia, then like three hour layover, then six hour flight to uh, Santiago and Chile, then like a 10 hour layover, and then a four hour flight from Chile to Punta Arenas, which is like the one of the lowest cities in all of Chile. 
which is like where the Magellan Strait is. It's really sick. Hmm. And uh, then you take a five-hour drive from there Jeez, to get damn. to Patagonia and Chile. So, what's your travel like uh, on a plane? Are we going movies, reading a book, neck pillow? Yeah. Um, what do you say your travel games at? Are you like, do you have it all set up with clear and pre-check? Are you that? Oh guy? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Oh, I just wanted to make this like global sure. entry. Yeah. Okay. If I okay. didn't have that, I okay. mean, I'm I'm gone probably. So your season. Yeah. Realistically, I'm gone like three to four months out of the year. Wow, like okay. in somewhere else, and so if I didn't have TSA yeah, pre-check, no, I just was in New York like a month ago, and I don't party that much. Mm-hmm. But like when I when I drink, I'm kind of like an addictive personality. So if like yes. I have one beer, it's like why not have two? Mm. And we're in, <laughs> we're in New York, and that turned into like. Uh, just a, a night and a half and I woke up four hours later and gone and like had a hangover. I'm pushing 29 now so my hangovers are not fun uh. and had this terrible hangover and I got in and I saw the line, the regular check-in line mm. and it was like like 400 people, not even at JFK and then the TSA free check I just walked straight in and I was like so hungover. Yeah. I almost cried because I was move. so happy. It's a vet move. <laughs> I was so happy. Dude, especially when you got like camera stuff. I mean, I used to get pulled like in the regular line. Oh like they pull my bag every time because it'd be like, oh, I forgot that battery yeah. or like that drone or whatever, you know, like you need the pre-check every camera. Pay the money, get pre-check. Cameras. You were with Jay Ford on, yeah. the, on the trip. Mm-hmm. Okay. How, how was that whole situation? What were you guys really doing out there? Uh, so we're shooting a project for Canon for um, a buddy of mine named Chris Balderas and I met Chris through Jay. Okay. It's actually, so Jay is someone who I knew through the internet, like, and I'd met once or twice before, but I watched his episode on the, or not the whole episode, but he popped up, you guys posted mm-hmm. and, uh, there was a clip of him talking on the podcast and I was just like, he just looks like a cool ass dude. Yeah. He just looks like somebody I would have a conversation mm-hmm. with. And, uh, then I went and watched the whole podcast from there. Uh, and was like, damn, this guy's a legend. And we're doing basically, I'm a Canon ambassador, like mm. you said. And so if I can find other people that shoot Canon, mm. that like are cool people that I tra- can travel with. I love Canon. <laughs> <Do you> ever- <laughs> Continue, Sam. <laughs> uh, keep it up. No, but uh, if I can find cool people that I enjoy hanging out with that shoot Canon that like can travel, then I try to build my roster. Mm. And then it's like, hey, we're doing a trip for Canon. And um, Jay was one of those people and uh, I basically was going to shoot a regular travel film out in Iceland and I was like, yo, you want to come and let's mm-hmm. just see how we work together. I'll cover everything. And then he came out and then within like maybe two hours of being in Iceland, <laughs> I picked him up and like driving out and he was just telling me a story and like one of the things he like whispered under his breath, he's like, man, I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I was like, what does that mean? And he broke down his whole story and he's just, he's from Palmdale and he's like, dude, people just don't leave Palmdale like Mm. when you're from Palmdale it's a very big bubble and uh he was just like so in awe about everything in Iceland and I've been to Iceland a few times now so not that it's become numb to me because it's my favorite country but it's still Mm. a little bit you miss that Matt you'll never get that magic Mm. back of visiting a place for the first time and so seeing it through his eyes and seeing how stoked he was and it was supposed to just be like a like a cinematic travel film about Iceland. And I'm like, dude, what if we make it more of a narrative and make it about you? So I changed it. And I didn't tell Canon oh, either. Amazing. <laughs> so this is like a Canon funded project about Iceland. And I, I'm like on the trip changing everything <laughs> I pitched to them. And I'm like, they're going to like it. I know they're going to like it. They're going <laughs> to like it. Uh, and so, but that project did really well. And that's actually releasing. It should be out by the time this is out. It's called Far From Home. Uh, and that was legendary. Go watch it. Uh, and... Jay is just an absolute, he's like one of those few people that you can just go and you know he's a complete professional, but also you can just have fun. And it was like so seamless from the moment I met him. Um, and so we told his story. And then the funny thing is, is he introduced me to Chris 
uh, and I Chris posted on his story like looking for an R5 and I just landed in the airport and you know how you guys are LA boys you know mm-hmm. how valuable an LAX pickup is uh, <laughs> and, and so I saw that Damn straight. Fuck I, LAX, I saw my opportunity to get that ride and um, <laughs> I, I was like yo you want an R5 I'll let you borrow mine for free if you pick me up from LAX That's amazing. Uh, and so he cruised and picked me up and then this was even crazier than Jay's where the moment he picked me up um I had never, I think I met him like once before he was at the Alabama Hills, yeah. thing, but I didn't really talk to him much. And uh, within 15 minutes of this car ride, like it went from never talking to this dude. And then in 15 minutes, it was like, can I make a like film about you? That's how crazy Chris's story is. Uh, I don't want to get too in detail. His film should be out by now. Uh, so you can go watch uh, that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. But it his story from like start to finish he has been in four different families i think adopted three different times he's had two different moms pass away um was addicted to alcohol pills in and out of jail uh, all before the age of 23 and then now he's been sober for five years in full-time travel photography and so we went out to patagonia and told his story and so now it's like this beautiful wave of being able to take this trap these travel films and this mm. travel niche that i've always done and then find incredible people that i can tell their story and blend the two so that's cool yeah man. that's amazing i yeah. want to get into like how the whole canon ambassadorship how that came about and like how you felt when they reached out to you because that's a pretty big fucking <laughs> yeah that's like, that's like everyone's <laughs> dream job it, it, were you like the t6i guy when you started is that or no so i was uh i started Funny enough, on the Nikon D3300, I know. <laughs> Keon just oh. puked in the corner. Just <laughs> 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 intern's back. You have to bleep it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started, oh my God. Um, I started on the D3300 for like uh, a year and a half. So it was funny with all the Nikon bits when people mm-hmm. like would look back and see old photos of me with that. So it was funny full circle. But then I went to the GH4. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Panasonic for like college, and then 2016 is when the One DX2 came out, Ooh. and Colder, mm-hmm. all the beautiful destinations, Peter yeah. McKinnon, yeah. everybody's rocking 1DX, the One DX2. Yeah. So I was like, dude, this is my first. Like, I got to get it, and then that's when I fell in love. So it was about six years with Canon. Nice, um, but yeah, the story. It's not as crazy as I would like it to be. It was literally, which I mean, the moment was insane. Mm. But just like any other day, you wake up. Uh, you check your email and you're like, all right, let's see what we got. And you go in, you know, just random, you know, subscriptions. I've signed up mm-hmm. bullshit that I have to go through. And then there was this like random email from Canon and all it said was, Hey Sam, love your stuff. Let's see how we can work. And I was like, okay, cocky email. And I was like, okay. and I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, let's see. And I had to vet the email like, without doxing their email system right, <laughs> right. but i was like okay is this actually because it, it's not like at canon.com yeah. right yeah, you know yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. like a little bit of a different and so i'm like dude is this their real and so mm-hmm. i went through went to linkedin went to who mm-hmm. reached out to me i was like holy shit this is a, a real person and it took mm-hmm. me two days to actually respond to that email because i was freaking out i'm like dude what like what's going on and then we hopped on a call and they were like hey full transparency we're starting this ambassador program where we want to uh, build a team of people that we can like fund their projects essentially and just like really believe in what they're doing because Canon's been for so long they're such a well-respected company but for the longest time there's a lot of 
I think red tape to jump through and you have to go through mm. a lot of people to get things approved and naturally. And so they were like, we want to start this ambassador program where we kind of vet the people first mm. and believe in their vision and believe in who they are to represent the brand. And then we can give you funding. So it's like the most ideal yeah. dream setup yeah. ever. And I'm sitting there like I'm the turtleneck dude from YouTube. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, Stay creamy, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why they're reaching out to me, but uh, I hopped on call and they said, we're building this out. Um, you're in consideration for this. And I quickly realized that call was like somewhat of an interview oh, more wow. than just a regular mm -hmm. call. And I was like, oh, shit. I mean, you know, like, I'm like, well, I mean, I think I'd be good. For something like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, I had to turn it on quickly. And uh, yeah, it was it was really, really cool. And then they were like, cool, we'll get back to you in like a month. And then I think two weeks later, they're like, hey, can we set up a call? And in that call was like one of those email threads where there's like 10 people. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, shit. And on that call, I, I think it was like seven people. And they were all basically just like, hey, we finalized this. We want you to be an ambassador. And I was like shaking. I'm like, oh. And so they were like, I'm like, who else is a, a part of this program? Mm -hmm. And they're like, uh, Rory Kramer, who I've looked up to yeah. since mm -hmm. I was like the moment I picked up a camera. Uh, Rory shoots for Justin Bieber, the Chainsmokers. Ben Haggerty, who's mm -hmm. shot um, uh, for Alicia Keys and did the Beyonce, Beyonce doc. Yeah. Black with no cream. Yeah, yeah. literally yeah. did. Yeah, Ben's an absolute legend. There's Miss Hatton, who's an incredible aerial photographer out in New York. Mark Clennon, um, Raven, who Raven shoots for Adele. Basically, every single person in this is like insanely well known. I'm the only one that's not verified. The only one. And so I'm looking at this like iconic lineup of ambassadors and then my face. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? One of us does not belong. Have you seen that military? Yeah, yeah. It's like four military guys and then a clown yeah, yeah. standing. That's me. And I'm like, I do not belong here, Sam. Keep it cool. Keep it. But uh, I kind of, you know, you always got to see the light in every situation. And I uh, I was obviously stoked, but you know, the business side of me kicked in. I'm like, all right, all these people are insanely well-respected and insanely busy people. My advantage is the reason they came to me is I was on YouTube and like my videos are different. And you know, the, I like the brand of Sam Newton where I'm able to like, it's like, oh, what's Sam going to do next? Mm -hmm. He always makes interesting stuff. And that's what they liked. And to be lined up against all these people, I knew how busy they were. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to come in fast. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to pitch them something fast. I'm going to deliver this video in a month and throw an entire event around the video. And that's what we did in my event in LA last year for a film I made called Eye of the Storm. And it was like within from pitch to concept to finishing the video to having the full on event, which they've never done. I was like, I'm going to over deliver. And I did it all in like a month and a half to Jesus. two months wow. and they loved it. And from there, I just kind of set the bar. I'm like, if you guys want something done, I'm the guy to go to. Mm. Let's keep working. And Sick. yeah, it's been great. What is your process going into making a film like that? Cause the, what you're making now is like full on films with like higher production, a full team. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like when you like from the inception of your concept, your idea to throwing an event, you know, and, and <laughs> premiering like a full on film. Well, I'm definitely, there's, I would love to say I had any kind of like real process that's repeatable and like, that's not my mind at okay. all. Mm. I'm very much like a set a deadline for myself. That's why I love like the events and love. Cause I put that, oh shit, almost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love events. <laughs> um, no, I set, I set this deadline um, for myself and I love doing that because when you work for yourself, you have to put that pressure on. And so it's like, I set this live event. We're doing another one next month and set this live event. It's like, 
I'm inviting 300 people. This thing's got to be done. I have to deliver or else it's going to be a letdown. And so um, the process for for me, I like having a, a set deadline no matter what. And that way it's like, okay, it's going to be out. It's going to be. And normally that's faster for me than like a traditional filmmakers tend to be perfectionists. And I try to mm -hmm. like be very invested in it, but understand when it's time to wrap, when it's time to move on. And so uh, for making any kind of film, for me, the very first thing comes down to like my like emotional connection. I'm a very emotional person. Like if I'm not like, I cry all the time. Fuck I, yeah. Like if I'm not at the end of my video, like in tears, whether it's like something that's actually like an emotional video or it's just like a cool vibe. Like it's very weird, my connection mm -hmm. with my stuff where I'm like, cause it's a part of your life. You're documenting it. Totally. For me, it's like that weird, I'm not telling fake stories or like fake narratives and I'm building out. It's like my actual life that I'm like, documenting and I see visually my whole life in stages and like there's different times where I'm like I'm like oh shit this is a film for canon and then it, you know this is a film for canon and it just hits like I'm working for canon right now <laughs> it's crazy and so like if I don't have that kind of emotional connection to what I'm working on I try not to work on it or like if it's comedy if it's like my songs or if it's something that I'm making people laugh like I genuinely want to sit there for a second like you know on my notes app writing and just be like <laughs> that's fucking dumb right. Right. like I need that um, like very intense emotional connection to whatever I'm making and then from there it's like I just build out the song find the song uh write the write the script first and foremost and then I'm not really too much of a shot list person. I'm not too much of a, a shot organizer with travel. It's not too much. I really try to go and capture whatever like genuinely happens and then fit that into the narrative. And so that's kind of my, my steps and man, I'll, I'll, I'll have a general idea of what yeah. I want to shoot. And then every single time that's thrown out the door, the moment it gets in the edit, like the spine is still there, but there's so many different things mm -hmm. that pop up and it just changes. And that's great. I wanted to ask you, cause like, because you're traveling to all these different places, like how much research goes into, I guess, finding the spots that you want to shoot at? Like, are you hitting up local people, hitting up other people that have been there already? Like, yeah. I mean, Instagram is huge. Yeah. Having like, even if when I didn't have a huge following, like 10,000 followers or something, and I would just post and be like, I'm going to this country. Mm -hmm. Does anybody know? And even mm -hmm. if it's like local friends from yeah. home, it's crazy how small the world gets when you just ask for help. And the amount of times I just post on my Instagram story, like, yo, looking for this, anybody know? Mm -hmm. And when people see it, it's like, oh, they might not know, but they know somebody who knows. And then yeah. you get connected. And so when I go to these places, I, I try my best to find like local people to just be like, hey, this is who I am, what I'm doing. If they know me, great. If you guys want to meet up, let's go on a hike. Mm -hmm. Let's do um, but yeah, dude, the, the best part about travel for me is I'm able to go places with very little, uh, research and just like figure it out. Right. Yeah. You get there, just you're at yourself a, into dude, it. You're yeah. at a hotel and you talk to somebody, you see somebody who's like kind of walks in the hotel and they're like really like Patagonia walks in the hotel and their boots are all fucked up. And you're like, Oh, where'd you guys just come <laughs> from? And they're stoking the, Oh, let me tell you this yeah. hike. Right. It's super <laughs> small. And then that's when you get this like experience mm. that. You know, and, and I try to find that balance of not, not going like super underprepared, yeah. but like when you go overprepared, I'm just not a rigid person. I'm yeah. very mm -hmm. like a little bit too go with the flow or my shit can get all over the place sometimes. But that's where the true like, like for me and the way my mind works, like the true beauty of what I can create lives in because I go to these places, I fall in love with them like in a very natural, organic way. And then I'm like, like you guys have known the feeling you have your camera, you're in this spot that you're like. 
you can Google Patagonia all yeah. you want, but when the sun's setting over mm-hmm. those mountains, you're like, oh my God. And then you're trying to think of a shot list in your mind. What shot do I want? I know we thought about this scene. And you're like, fuck. And you just hit record. And then you have three hours of the sunset because you're like, what did I want? Right. And then you take it all in the edit. And I'm still like that to this day. Like that's how I started when I was traveling. I mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And still to this day, like eight years later of traveling, like I'm like every single time when the crazy sunset's happening, my organization goes out the window and like i should be a professional director like guys we need this wide and then tell the story and i'm like no 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 sam we need three hours of the same shot shot over and over but just with the sunset getting a little bit more orange in the back dude that's literally i do i'm so the same like i'm like this shot is sick this is the shot and i'll just get it a hundred times like i'll push it and that's like i talked to this guy i was telling you this the director guy told me he's like once you get the shot you got to move on that mm-hmm. was like his big advice to me and i was like have you seen my work no or something like, <laughs> never how did you know <laughs> i want to get the shot once and then be like oh wait this guy got a little bit better hold on let's yeah. get it again <laughs> I do and it you always end up going with like the last shot because you're like oh, that was that had to be like yeah, the best one. Right, like right. i nailed it especially with sunsets because yeah. they just get better right. and better <laughs> i do love what you said though about setting a deadline for yourself i think that's something i need to implement more into my personal life i don't know how you guys are with it but like I feel like as humans, the amount of time we're allocated to perform a specific task, we're going to take that amount of time. Oh, yeah. For sure. So it's like if you don't set a deadline for yourself, you're kind of like, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it, whatever. Like that's why we all procrastinate in school. It's like yeah. the essays do the at the deadline, end of the yeah. semester, but right. you wait until totally. the night before to finish it. And you always end up getting it done. So like setting those deadlines, I feel like is crucial. Dude, but how many how many people, when you ask for their best work, and like if you're watching this right now and you're asking yourself, like when people ask you for your best work as a creator or filmmaker or photographer, mm-hmm. nine, more than nine, 9.5 times out of 10, somebody's best work that they send in is going to be a client project. It will not be a personal project. It will not be a passion project. It will not be something that they just went out. And the reason is you have that outside press. You have like somebody mm-hmm. looking down on you with a date, with expectations, with all these things. But then the moment you have a personal project, that shit gets thrown out the window. And then you're like, oh, I'm really passionate about this. And then you look at it for five seconds. And then you're like, I'm going to check my email one more time. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, a client. All I'm right. going to go do that. And then you just keep ignoring. And so that's what like one of the biggest like muscles you have to train yourself as, mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, especially, especially when it comes to, cause like people can be entrepreneurs and work for other people and, or do client work. Mm-hmm. And like, you're still technically working for yourself, but you still have yeah. that client. Mm-hmm. It's a muscle you have to train yourself. If you really want to work on like passion projects, if you really want to work on projects that you love. And that's something I always try to preach on my YouTube channel. Like everybody just, you know, it's hustle, grind, yeah. hustle, grind clients, get the bag, get the bag. But like, how often do people stop and they're like, I'm going to clear two weeks and just make a project I'm really, really proud of? Because more often than not, when you do that, that will lead to more stuff like that. And mm-hmm. people will see that and people will recognize that. So it's just really a muscle you have to train where it's like, I'm going to set aside X amount of time, give myself a deadline, and my passion project will be released by this date. Because with passion projects, you don't have that client breathing down your neck, so you don't have a date. And so the amount of people watching this right now who probably have a passion project that's 50% done and has been for eight months. It's like, you have to say it's done in a month, no matter what, and do it. Dude, Babin said that. Babin said that the deadline makes you creative. I remember when he said that on the show, I'm like, this is a, there's a professor somewhere that 
he would make their final due. He would like, well, they'd walk into class and he'd be like, you guys have 48 hours to do the term, the term final. And he's like, get it done, make it happen. And they'd all turn in like these amazing, insane projects. He's like, you're going to wait to the last minute anyway. So we'll do this and the rest of the term we'll learn. And it's just like, I believe that. I think that you, if you put yourself in this, in this box, like, Hey, yeah. this has to get done. You're going to make something spectacular. I agree with you. I think that's awesome. There's about 15 things on my to-do list that <laughs> I need to set deadlines for, which I will write after <laughs> yeah. this It's never going to be as good as you want it to be because that's <laughs> just how it how it works but the best part about it and like how i view it and i'm in this weird niche of like travel film youtube and so i have to post enough to be relevant but i really don't want to post like too fast where my mm-hmm. shit isn't like original and mm-hmm. i want my films to be well flushed out and so mm-hmm. i'm like right in that middle ground yeah. of like i have to set a deadline but i also have to give myself enough time to make it special and so mm-hmm. for me i just have to make sure that the the deadline is like just fine like a perfect that perfect in between yeah. where mm-hmm. I can give it the time that it needs and then give it the energy that it needs. And then there's this beautiful middle ground of like, if I wait too long on this passion project, then what it really does is you tell yourself, like, I want to make this perfect, but it, you lose so many opportunities of so many other passion projects you can work on. The reason why I'm a full-time travel filmmaker, which is something like a lot of people are like, oh, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. It's because I made travel videos and right. I made yep. like a good amount of high quality travel video. And so like every two months there would be one coming out. And before I was ever paid for them, I would just be like, yeah, I'm a travel filmmaker. This is mm-hmm. what I do. This is what I do. And then uh, over time, after three years, it's like that muscle in your brain. I was able to make so many, and these were all passion projects. They were never sponsored. Mm-hmm. They were never paid for. I'd be filming weddings and then going on a travel trip and never telling anybody about my wedding company. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, it was just like, yeah, I'm a travel filmmaker. It's what I do. And then slowly but surely, it's like the projects went from five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars, and a thousand dollars to five thousand dollars, and five thousand dollars to four hundred grand, mm-hmm. which is what I just made. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so so like, let's go. <laughs> no, not even close. But you know, one day. Um, I want to ask because okay, you did weddings. Like, I want to ask about before making that leap mm-hmm. full time uh, YouTuber, which is I think so many kids' dreams. Like, what were you doing to fund your lifestyle? Like, just your life. Yeah. So my big like switch, just like most people, it was I was a freelance, a jack of all trades. I did mm. everything right, and that's a great way to figure out what you want to do, mm. who you are, you get your style. You know, the first couple of years at least, you know, doing everything, whatever any client. I had no direction. It's like whatever email or whatever friend sent me, and it's like, hey, this person's developing an app. I I filmed like a, a like a surgery from UC Day. I went to UC Davis, and they're the medical center, and I did like an, a nose surgery for a doctor. I did. <laughs> Basically, as I did everything, if you look at my Vimeo, I have 687 videos oh, like that I posted on my Vimeo, and it's just mind-blowing to me that I'm like, how did I make that many <laughs> videos? Crazy. But the first two years, I did everything, and then it kind of clicked in my head my senior year where we planned a travel trip, and we started getting together some sponsors for the trip, first time I ever left the country besides Mexico, and uh, we got like three sponsors after emailing like a thousand companies and these three sponsors, we got the Eurail, European Rail System, we got Wombat City Hostel, and we got this clothing company called Calibus, which is like a weed clothing brand. Mm-hmm. And they were the only ones that paid us $500 and then we got a free place to stay and free travel with the train. And then this is when I sucked, but it clicked in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is possible. Possible, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's when I made that really hard. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it. But I also, it's not possible to live off $500 in travel. So I created this, I had a wedding business 
on the side that I never talked about. Mm. Like I didn't brand, like none of my friends had, it was like a separate brand name, separate, and weddings, it's just super easy, great money. Mm-hmm. And you do one good wedding and that books, you don't have to advertise yourself. No, right. It's just, you do one good wedding mm. and they have 10 other friends getting yep. married. And so I would charge like three grand a wedding mm-hmm. um, and do, I don't know, 10 weddings in a summer, make a good amount of money and then go travel for three months, mm-hmm. you know? So, and yeah. no one ever knew about the weddings and they just thought I was a travel filmmaker. And then slowly, it's just as important to convince yourself as it is to convince the world. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm a travel filmmaker. I'm a yeah. travel filmmaker. And then now everybody in the world just sees me as a travel filmmaker and all my friends from back home are like, damn, Sam's really doing this. And mm-hmm. then in their mind, it's like, you don't have to try to fake it. It's like, oh, this is what he does. This is who mm-hmm. he is. And then... You know, if anything comes up to the people that do follow, you're like, oh, we need someone in the travel space. You're like immediately like, I know a guy, Sam, he's a travel filmmaker. He always Mm. talks about instead of if you want to be a travel Mm. filmmaker and then you do 15 other things, then you're not really then you maybe have one travel film. And that's like the biggest thing. You can never be a music video director if you don't direct music videos. You can never be a travel filmmaker if you don't make travel films. You can never be you have to make something, whether it's a spec ad passion project for free. You have to have something in order to prove to someone that you're worth being paid that money. You got to believe it before anybody else believes right. it. You know, you got to tell yourself like, I'm going, I'm like for anyone out there that's like, oh, I'm an inspiring filmmaker. You see that in bios like all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. you're, you're a filmmaker. You're yeah. gonna, you're a filmmaker now. This is what you do. And I think when you start, you'll start to make decisions. Oh, you said aspiring. Aspiring. I th- I no, not inspiring. inspiring. No, 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 oh aspiring. You aspiring. see that everywhere. Whenever you imagine my bio. I'm an inspiring <laughs> filmmaker. Bro. Watch this and be inspired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so fucking inspired. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Good, but I've been more inspired. <laughs> I've been more inspired for this. They have to believe it before you know. You'll start making choices in your day and in your week that will get you closer to said goal. If you're like, oh, I'm a filmmaker, like, okay, what do filmmakers do? They probably make some films this week, so I need to go make. I need to write down three videos <laughs> right. and make them and actually make it happen. And I think people will see like you know, you'll get start to get dubs in the right direction. Yeah. Was there a moment where you could like feel yourself like getting better at the whole making videos? Like you said, senior, you were like, I did it and I sucked, but like. Was there like a, holy shit, I like am getting pretty sick at this? No. Then I'll, I'll explain. Okay. Uh, no in the best way possible. Holy shit, I suck when I look back in it. I had, for some reason, and it's like a blessing and a curse, I always thought my shit was awesome. <laughs> Me too. I always, I always, dude. Even the chemistry vid. Oh, oh yeah. That oh, could, dude. <laughs> we can go deep. It's like from the moment we went, started. We went deep. We <laughs> went all the way down to 12 years ago on the YouTube channel. Which is bad because you could watch, I'll watch myself and I'm like, dude, I was such a douchebag. They're great like, to have though. Those are great, great to have. have. You can look, they're a scrapbook of oh, your yeah, life. Right. We, got, we got Sam Newton's life from the time he was running for class president. Like, he's like <laughs> rapping like in the sunrise. Like, but but I was, sick kick, I was always feeling myself. Yeah, dude. The red red ones, that was so funny. I borrowed them from a friend who had them and I had other shoes on and they were like size 11, so they barely fit. So in the scene, we're like, what if I'm like, hey, what if they're hanging over my... (laughs) (laughs) Like for some reason, that was the... The raps have gotten uh, way better. Yeah. Way better. That was amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've always really, really like thought my stuff was Mm -hmm. good and that incrementally, like I noticed myself getting better, but... Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's easy, super easy where I was blessed to start with no intention of doing this as a job. Mm -hmm. I picked up a camera just because my friends and I wanted to film like 
the videos were talking about, I made a, a song about my chemistry teacher. I ran for class president and lost. I made a rap probably why I lost. Um, but these were all videos I just made because it was just like me and my friends had a camera and we're like, fucking, mm-hmm. well, wouldn't it be funny if we did? It would be really funny if we just went out. And we just did that. And there was no, and like when a video got 200 views on YouTube, it's like, oh shit. Right. This has 14 comments on Facebook. This is popping right now. And I had that blessing of just genuinely loving what I was doing and making it with friends pre like when you had the pressure of social media. And so that was kind of a nice place to start. And then from there, you know, I noticed myself getting better, but I always thought, and then I was always a big fish in a small pond. So Davis was a, there was no, there were very few filmmakers. I didn't know I wanted to be a filmmaker until I went to college and Davis had very few filmmakers. It's an agricultural science school. And so I was always the video guy. And so I always thought I was really good, but obviously kids were better at SC and UCLA, Mm. but that was an advantage to me because instead of getting down on myself being like, damn, there's so many people better and getting caught in the comparison trap, Mm. I had no one to compare myself to. And so I was, it was me versus me and it was great Mm -hmm. because I always thought I was awesome and they sucked. They were really bad, but you know, (laughs) if you have that, that weird belief in yourself, it, it carries and it lasts and it sticks with you. You make that travel video in 2016 but you're still doing the weddings. Mm-hmm. When do you get to make that shift to full-time YouTuber? There, so, so there was three stages. There was full-time travel filmmaker, mm. not YouTube at all. And then there's full-time YouTubers. And so. this is like working for brands and, yes. and like so, take, taking their stuff with you overseas. Exactly. So okay. basically it was like Jack of all trades was, was step one. Mm-hmm. And step two was like, Oh, I want to travel and make money. Mm-hmm. How can we do this? We reached out to brands and I was lucky. It clicked pretty early in my mind where I was like, it doesn't matter how much we're getting paid. All that matters is that we have a website with client and like mm-hmm. people see that people are working with us. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. And still to this day, it's so important to have like a real, and you're only as good as your last like best piece of work. And you can have a, a website with 40, like how many people you've seen? And they're mm-hmm. like 40 projects. When was the last time you went to somebody's website and watched 40 yeah, things? Right. All you need is like four videos. Mm-hmm. That's it. And if they're sick, they're gonna be like, cool. We'll pay you. Uh, and that that clicked where I'm like, cool, I just need a good website. And so my first leap was to full-time travel uh, videography. And that was very slow. It wasn't like a, mm. now, now it's just travel because mm. it was just weddings would fund it. And every now and then I'd take a big corporate gig or something and that would fund the travel. But, you know, I did that for a year and got paid next to nothing for the travel. But then the next year um, is when I met my buddy Luke Jackson Clark. Uh, and he's one of the best travel photographers ever. And he's also one of the coolest people I know. And we met at a hostel in Thailand, literally just out of the blue. And he started talking about what he wanted to do. And it's the first time I met somebody else that wanted to be a travel mm. creator. This was in 2016, 2017, maybe. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. This is what I want to do. And he did photo, I did video. And we came up with this concept of starting a company together because nobody, he was 19 at the time. Nobody respected like if mm. Sam Newton wanted to make a video for Shangri-La hotels, yeah, right. it's like, oh, I don't want, but if move to create yes. the, the, the travel, right yeah, mm. yeah. That was our, travel our travel agency, travel, make an LLC, exactly. Travel <laughs> media conglomerate, mm-hmm. which was really just me Empire. and Luke. Yeah. And we had a <laughs> prestige worldwide. <laughs> right. As long as you make it sound good, but genuinely. And then, uh, you know, all these little business things. And we had, I had, um, uh, this girl, Alyssa, who worked on our first trip in Iceland with us. And she reached out to all the brands and all the companies and it worked really well. But then Alyssa went and did her own thing and we had the email, Alyssa at move to create.us. And so I'm like, well, 
I'll be Alyssa for a little while. And so I would reach out as to make our team feel and look yeah. bigger. People would reach out and then connect with Alyssa. And I'm like, let me forward you all along to Sam, <laughs> our founder, and then forward the email to myself and be like, oh, awesome. This is so great. Let's set up a meeting and just do whatever I could as a 23 year old to make Dude, it look like a it. big Dude, deal. I had Monica at bfiggy.com and Monica was my executive assistant. And oh, so nice. Monica, I was Monica <laughs> sending out all these emails and they'd be Monica like, yeah, Monica and Alyssa, baby. And they, and then I remember I go to this meeting with this client. He goes, where's Monica? And I go, what are you talking about? And, and I blinked. I go, oh, oh, she's on vacation. She's yeah. uh, she's off for the day, but she's doing great. Yeah. She's having a baby. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> That's the key, the key and peel sketch where he's like yeah. ordering pizza and he's like, who wants a pizza? And the pizza guy's like, I feel like, I feel like me and Monica, we have a bond. And it's like, oh my God, she's shot. She's dead. <laughs> Monica and Alyssa just absolutely crushing emails. That, that's amazing. I think you should. Uh, everyone Smart. should. Everyone should do that. You I should just imagine you like opening your your computer up and checking your email in the morning. And be like, oh man, what is this new email I got? <laughs> yeah, from, from, from Monica. Forward it by yourself. Forward yeah. it by yourself. Yeah. So it, that only lasted for like six months, and then Luke and I were like, let's take this more and more seriously, and we. That's when I made the leap full time. Like I am a travel filmmaker now. I'm cutting the. Like I'm not doing any other projects unless it's paying me to get on a plane and go somewhere. Was and that so, scary that first year that you made that leap or were you like, okay, yes I have and enough, no. I, have I want, like, I want to say yet, yeah, but at this point I was so deep into mm. it that I'm like, it was kind of scary, but it was also like, there was, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. There's nothing else. I was, I loved it so much. And I'm like, we're figuring this out. And that was the benefit of having Luke. I had somebody else who also had that blind faith, mm. like we're gonna figure mm. this out. And we did it together. We did that for three years and we went from like making $500 water bottle commercials and just doing anything we could for a free flight to making like, you know, $15,000 brand mm. campaigns mm. for photo video, $20,000. Mm. And that was really hitting. And we had like maybe 200 grand worth of projects lined up at the beginning of 2000. And 20. Oh, no, <laughs> dude. So we had this fat trip. We're going to go to Guatemala, uh, London, down to uh, South Africa, and then across into Asia. And it was going to be like this three month. We had so many clients lined up. And then, boom, the pandemic Lovato came in. And just, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's when it hit me. And then, you know, I had all this footage and we were locked indoors. I'm like, I'm going to start. I had travel videos. And I had already picked up a little bit of my YouTube audience because I made a really big like uh, travel cliche my year video that I did that picked up. And so by the time the pandemic hit, I had like 19,000. If YouTube wasn't anything I really wanted to do, mm -hmm. I wanted to do travel. I had my my company and I wanted to just do full time travel mm -hmm. videography and get paid by clients. But then this came around where everything shut down and I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna make some YouTube videos. And I made like three or four right as it happened. I made this rap called cameraman. I made a super eight New Zealand travel video and I made, what was the other one? I made one other, but all three of them like popped off. And like for me, at least like mm -hmm. they all had like 50 K views in three months. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Like YouTube's a real thing. And that's when I started getting, I'm like, dude, there's a real, and then I got my first like brand deals like rolling in. I'm like, Oh, you can make money doing this. And that's when it hit me that summer of, was it 2020? Or no, the next, the following summer, 2021, was when I had picked it up. I think I got like 50,000 subscribers. We were like, travel was kind of opening up again. And it was like a weird, and I had been just living by like random projects here and there. And then I'm like, all right, well, if I'm gonna do YouTube, I have to do YouTube. And I haven't taken 
since then, since the moment I'm like, I'm a YouTuber now, I have not taken a single client project that isn't connected with my YouTube. Mm. So like if I get reached Mm. out and like, hey, we have this commercial, it was just an immediate no. Unless it's involved in my YouTube somehow, some way, and no matter how big it was, like I'd try to pass on the project to a friend Mm. of mine or something, but I had to just say no because I'm like, this will take three weeks of my time Mm -hmm. and sure I'll make 20 grand or sure I'll make 15 grand, but that's three weeks of a video that I wouldn't be making. And so I made that hard decision and it's paid off in dividends. Hell yeah. So you're a little over a hundred thousand subs right now, like 128, I think something like that. So when you're, when you're at 50, are you making them every single week? Like, did you have a deadline for yourself or like, I need to make something every two weeks? Like what was your audience kind of expecting? No. So I like, my YouTube advice is not necessarily good YouTube advice in terms of like growth Mm -hmm. because my YouTube advice is shit. The algorithm hates my videos are very unpredictable. I'll Mm -hmm. go from like a, like a funny rap song Mm -hmm. to a very serious travel video Mm -hmm. to like an office tour video. It's like, you never really know what's coming next. But like the same thing that isn't doing on this. Yeah, it's getting closer to you every time you talk. (laughs) The same thing that is like bad for the algorithm that is like the same thing that I think makes my channel kind of special where it's like, I don't, I genuinely don't know what the next Sam project's going to be. And that, but that's what's allowed me to build a connection with my Mm. audience. It's I think a lot better than a lot of people's where, you know, you see people that might get a hundred thousand views on their office door video and you scroll down. It's like, 20 yeah yeah. exactly and Mm -hmm. it's just the it doesn't really feel like too much of a community as much as just like feeding what Mm -hmm. the algorithm algorithm wants and so that's that was one of the biggest things where it didn't pay off in terms of like fat like amazing growth about to say fat growth i don't know (laughs) fat fucking growth Uh, but it did pay off because uh like that's the kind of stuff canon brought up in the meeting where they're like Mm -hmm. sam we like you're doing it differently Mm -hmm. and then that's something you have to remind yourself even if the numbers aren't there people notice when you even make an attempt to do something remotely different and like most people aren't commenting most people aren't sending Mm -hmm. you dms and those are like the reassuring like oh this is working but like even if it's something that you really believe in if you do something like for me my music is so dumb or my travel videos are something that i'm really passionate about but people notice when it's Mm -hmm. just like oh this is he's doing it like and people take it take notice of that and that's a really clicked when I didn't really, I was in kind of a weird spot when Canon hit me up and out of the blue, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Canon. Like I had maybe, I'd grown like 500 subscribers in two months. My YouTube channel was kind of stagnant. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And yet Canon reached out. And so that's like my biggest advice for upcoming YouTube YouTubers. You can find kind of like something that works as a middle ground where mm-hmm. you have consistency. You have, but I have no posting schedule. Mm-hmm. I have no, it's just like, what's the project I want to work on right now? And now how can I integrate that um, into my channel and make it original and make it me and make it feel good? Do you feel like that helps with burnout? The fact that you don't have a set schedule like mm-hmm. every Wednesday mm-hmm. at, at 10 a.m. Yeah. I'm putting oh, yeah. out a video. I mean, burnout's gonna it's going to happen no matter what because like after a while, if you do anything enough, it, it hits you where you're like, oh, this is a job. And so like mm-hmm. even last, I think this past summer, there was a time where I had, you know, I was I took on way too many like YouTube deliverables and uh it was quickly like oh shit it wasn't as much like i need to post every monday but it was like i have this due i need to get it done by the end of the month but i also have to go to this and so it was like the walls were closing in on me and i wasn't able to make like those truly sam videos and so this year uh with the support of like the sponsors that i do have i was just like hey i can't do Mm -hmm. like a video a quarter i can't do a video every other month 
I will pitch you guys when I have a video ready, I will tell you mm. and you guys can say yes or no on whether or not you, not you want to sponsor. That's how I'm going to do it from here on out. And like, it's so mm. much better. Oh, yeah. And I have the, the liberty to do that now that my channel's gotten a little bit of traction, mm. which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think I think taking that pressure off yourself is, is nice in a little bit. Yeah, that's sick. I want to talk about two things specifically about your YouTube is um, the rapping. Yeah, love it. Like been a rapper forever. Yeah, when and like <laughs> when are we gonna see you on the XXL? <laughs> is that, is that a thing still? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they should no, do you're, age, you're aging they yourself. Need, they yeah. need to get you on there. But um, yeah, when did Wild you now. like how like how'd you get into like the rapping thing and like how did that idea to like make music? I mean, I know you did it in high school and mm. stuff, just like for class projects and fun. But like, when were you like, I'm gonna go? boss the wall and make a full-blown like sick music video yeah so uh basically in high school it's all my friends and i did we would get in the minivan we'd smoke weed and we'd have freestyle battle you know like oh and that's when i was like 16 years old and quickly realized on like a you know a still dre instrumental that i was like oh you know and people like you know when you're high and you're 16 (laughs) everything's funny and Uh. you just Rhyme bat with cat and all your friends are like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Main band's rocking. It was hype. And that, but that's when I like realized I'm like, okay, cool. I got a little flow. And then we made those songs, like these stupid mm. songs. We made a song about my chemistry teacher. We made a song about in and out. We made a song about like me being president and it was just fun, man. We were just having so much fun. We weren't thinking about like what we were doing. It was yeah. just like, this is stupid. Right. Mm. This is fun. Let's make it. And so we went out, we made those things. And then in college, I picked up a camera for the first time. And I was really, really nervous about being seen as like the dorky rap kid. Because mm-hmm. I, my freshman year, I made a song, cringiest song I've ever made in my life. It is nowhere to be found on the internet. <laughs> you will not find it. Uh, maybe you will if you do enough deep research. But it's called, uh, it was like the UC Davis rap. And I made a rap about my college. Uh-huh. And it, it was just like... It was it was like a catchy song. It was creative, but there were so many just very cringy things that happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like very quickly, I'm like, I do not want to be the rapper kid. I'm done with this. And this is like in the era of like uh, Hoodie Allen and uh, fuck Asher Roth yeah, and like yeah. just the corny rap. white mm-hmm. rapper dudes. Mm-hmm. And I was making more like comedic. I wasn't trying to be like a frat sure. rapper, but still like I caught myself luckily like a little. I'm like don't do this. Uh, and I'm like, I just want to be the filmmaker. And then I uh, stopped making music for about four years. And then I had this beautiful moment where the stars aligned where, you know, I was established in the camera world and finally a filmmaker. But then I still really, I was like, dude, I haven't made songs in a while. And I wanted to make a song. And I went to my buddy's house and I'm like, let's just chop something up. And that's when I made content creator anthem. Mm-hmm. And it was just a stupid song we made in like, four hours probably and I, I just wanted to post it and be like this is fun and i posted that and it just immediately like was everywhere and uh, just getting dms from so many people i respect you're like dude this is hilarious I'm like oh this is a cool and the business side of me it always clicks right. i'm like this is a great opportunity to get in like to get my name in front of really important people who own cameras and so i saw that as like this cool little like way to get into the right people and I made content creator anthem, cameraman, 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 <laughs> shoots on Nikon. I made um, a handful of just songs about cameras, which mm-hmm. are really weird and no one's going to do it. No one else can do it. And it set myself apart. And that allowed me to, at the very least, if people don't know who I am, 
a lot of times if you own a camera, you're like, oh, I've seen that. Oh, you're the guy, the, the mm. Peter McKinnon song. Mm, you made that yeah. or you made the potato and icon thing. That's hilarious. And it start, starts to click. And I saw that as like a business way to like, I'll make this music and then people will find me. And it won't just all be little dicky songs. Mm. They'll find me, and then from there they'll click on my next video. And be like, what? Right. Oh my gosh, really he cool actually yeah. shoots stuff, and he has a serious side to him, and he mm. can make serious content besides just wearing a turtleneck and rapping. Mm. And those beautifully mesh together to to build the Sam Newton brand where it is now, and uh, it, it's been a cool journey. You talked about the Peter McKinnon video, and we've all we've all seen that video. So in. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people try to, it, I wouldn't call it a jab in any way, but like try and people try and like talk about said YouTuber and you did it in the most like creative and fun way possible. And then he ended up seeing it, reacted to it. Like talk to us a little bit about that moment of like you coming up with this idea. Peter sees it. You're like, holy shit. He just, he reacted to my video on his channel with his channel's massive. Like, yeah. Over it, 5 mil. Yeah. Over almost, like a right, little, little over 5 million. Like that's insane. Like just talk to us about that idea, kind of how that came to life and you putting that out. Cause that's, I mean, you're talking about someone that's massive in the space. They see the video. They're like, I love this. This is like incredible, you know? Yeah. So I had made that decision that previous summer, I'm going to do full-time YouTube, right? I was like, okay. I'm doing YouTube. And so I knew if I was going to do YouTube. I was like, okay, what? And you know, I'm sitting down that, that as opposed to like when I started and it was mm-hmm. just me and my friends like, ah, this is fun. This is crazy. Everything from that, like the moment I started YouTube, everything's been like trying to be somewhat strategic with it. And, um, with the Peter thing, I went full-time into YouTube. I'm like, what can I do to make a splash? I'm going full-time into YouTube. Mm. What can I do to just the very least have people know who I am, mm. you know? And then I can figure it out from there. And I was like, who's the guy? Peter's the guy. He's always been the guy. And I've looked up to Peter for a very long time. I'm like, all right, what can I do to, you know, get Peter's attention? So maybe Peter just knows who I am slash it, the algorithm would just link our channels, right? People who watch Peter McKinnon might also like Sam Newton. Mm. And so that was kind of the idea behind it because I'm like, all right, a lot of his audience is going to watch it. He'll maybe notice it. Maybe best case scenario, he'll like post it on his Instagram story with a haha. And he, I posted that video. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it's like a, a, a rap about Peter McKinnon that I made just to kind of get his attention. It's diss track is not the right word. Because like yes, I, said, yeah, I tried yeah, yeah. to make it kind of tongue in cheek, but mm-hmm. I made the song within an hour and a half of posting that on YouTube. Not even kidding. Peter was in my DMs and no I was like, way. what the fuck? Wow. Yes. <laughs> hour and a half. And he was like, dude, that was hilarious. That was so, and I was like shaking at yeah. this point in time. And you know, it's just like when uh, that there was this moment where like everybody in the filmmaking world was seeing this video and it was like cocaine because I was like mm. refreshing notifications, new followers like, yes, this is what it will always be like. It will never not be like this anymore. Um, I'm just stop, bro. And uh, yeah, he, he said that. And then I was like, this is awesome. I connected with him. And then like two to two or three days later, he sent me a, a message that says like, look out for a PM reacts. And I was like, what the fuck? And like four or five days after that, I'm thinking like he's going to make a, a reaction video of him react. Like he did reaction videos of him reacting to like a bunch of different videos. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm thinking. Like mm-hmm. he's going to go through Doing and like 10, mine yeah. will be in the list. Mm-hmm. And then I, I wake up and immediately chase Viking, who was my roommate at the time, like 
barges in. He's like, yo. And I'm like, what? He's like, YouTube now. I was like, what? What? I'm like in my underwear at the time. And we're sitting on the, and just sitting there uh, on my desk, like looking at my computer. And Peter just made a whole like 10 minute video as an absolute legend and just shouted me out and said like, hey, this guy's doing it right. Go to his channel, Mm. go check it out. And that was like such an intense, like, I felt, you know, very few times in life do you like point to a moment and be mm-hmm. like, that day yeah. changed everything. And uh, it changed everything. Yeah, it was crazy. Got like 30,000 subscribers from Peter in the course of like two weeks. Wow. Um, it was one of his better, that video performed really well because it, it, it was like, the it was it was like i got called out and you see him like yeah yeah, yeah so it was yeah, like it looked intense yeah. and it looked uh, and so a lot of people clicked on it and it was very very well received and most people understood the the tongue-in-cheek joke mm. and then from there it was like oh shit now there's a lot of pressure on my channel yeah, i was gonna ask yeah. like what do you follow that up with? Yeah. what was the video that you um i followed that up with uh another song actually which was a like christmas it was called Gear Doesn't Matter. And that one did pretty well too. And it was just kind of like this funny like play on how people say gear doesn't matter while shooting yeah. it all, uh, all on. Yeah. Yeah. And then Eric Floberg stole my idea and posted a <laughs> gear doesn't matter video a month later. Eric, I'm calling you. No, I mean, that's all called gear doesn't matter. Just kind of tongue in cheek, making fun of people that thought, and that did pretty well. But then I caught myself and I'm like, don't get, don't buy into mm. this like and that's where i was like you know it's always gonna be this great it's always mm-hmm. gonna so many people are gonna love you and i caught myself after that next video because that was kind of in that same realm it was mm-hmm. like a funny camera song so the people that subscribe from peter it's like oh look this is pretty this is yeah. we're just gonna get a bunch Your of this camera. now and that's yeah. it right. and everything will be great and that next video i made i was like i have to slow it down i think i made it like things are changing mm. and it was just like a road trip video with me voicing over where i was in my life and like filming just like a little and just telling people like, this is crazy, this is wild, but this isn't all I make. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. make other things and like, yes, you'll still get those fun videos, but like I have to stay true. They might not perform as well, but I have to stay true to the videos that I want to make. Cause if I don't, then I'm just gonna get lost in the mm-hmm. ether and just start yeah. throwing shit that gets the claps. And then I'm mm-hmm. a monkey dancing. Right. Yeah. Do you, how, how do you feel like you've built your community on YouTube? Because like we talk a lot to people about, oh, like, you know, they're like, oh, I want to I want to get like a community of people. I'm like, OK, well, you need to put out content that's going to like resonate with those people mm-hmm. and that stuff that you stand behind. So how do you feel like you said you feel really in tune with, you know, your community and like you see I, I was reading your comments like the really positive comments, which on YouTube is, you know, can be surprising. <laughs> right. So I think that's awesome. And I see like you comment back to them and stuff. You're like you're interacting with them. How do you feel like you've kind of nurtured that relationship with your audience? Yeah, I mean, just trying to as you know, cliche as it sounds like trying to make the videos that you really, really want to make. And I, Mm. it's undeniable when you do that. Like when I talk about at the beginning, I'm like, I'm an emotional guy. And so Mm. I want to make videos that like, I, I know if I make a video that at the end I'm like hitting export and I'm like sitting back like, Oh Mm. fuck. Like I know there's going to be other people in the world that connect with that. And if I make a funny video that I'm genuinely, and if Mm. I don't feel, and I've made plenty of videos that I you can tell like I'm like that wasn't what I needed to make at the time and I wasn't super inspired and you could tell which one's like holy shit Sam poured his heart into mm-hmm. this like and, and I think for me that's what was the original question one more time I, I think I was just talking about how you nurtured the relationship oh yeah community, with your, community, yeah, community. Uh, and so for me people can notice that and they kind of like 
connect with that side of somebody mm. where they're like, this is somebody's doing something that they want to do. And that's really cool. And mm. I've always really wanted to keep that as like my North star. It's like, I'm doing stuff that I really want to do. And people connect with that as opposed to somebody might be popping off because their reels are going mm. insanely viral. But you know, it, it's just the, the good night, 2022 do mm-hmm. cold play song. And yeah. you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, if that's, all you make Mm -hmm. sometimes i think you separate that person from like the machine Mm -hmm. and so i've been able to cultivate this community of like trying to create stuff that really matters to you and i always preach that like what do you really want what passion project do you really want what represents who you are go out and make that you don't have to do that all the time Mm -hmm. but just once or twice a year make one project and that's like what i always try to preach to people because people are always just pushed in this direction of hustle more numbers like if you want to grow you got to do this Mm -hmm. and people just lay out the all the shit you have to do Mm -hmm. all the shit you have to do to get big or get and like people think that there's some kind of happiness on the other side of that and it's like if you're not making any videos that are for you are about your life are about the people you love then like just it's going to be tough to really, really, really be happy as an artist at least. Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure people in my community always have that where it's like once or twice a year, make one thing, just make one thing, spend a couple weeks with your dad and interview him and Mm. talk about your hometown, spend a couple weeks with a friend that has a cool story and make that video. Even if it's a video about yourself and where you are in your life right now, because it's a win-win. You get a video that means a lot to you. People will then connect that. Slash, if it doesn't do well and people don't fuck with it, you now have a... Uh, I did an interview with my grandma. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, she's about to die. Uh, so I did this interview with my grandma like three years ago. And... <laughs> I can do that. Uh, and it's really cool because I have this interview with my grandma uh, talking about life, talking about all this shit. And now she's about to die. And it's like, I'll always have that video and I can talk about it like this and I can fucking feel it. And it's really cool. And so like if people can go out and make videos like that, that they genuinely feel something about, it doesn't matter how well they do. And I think people will resonate with that. And that's why I'm able to build somewhat of a community. And that's trying to be a little bit different. No, I think that, I think that's beautiful, man. And I, I, I'm like, thank you for being vulnerable (laughs) here with us. Seriously. Like I, I can feel it in the stuff that you make. Like, yeah, I saw an Instagram story that you did the other day and you were talking about how like people are feeding the machine. Like we were talking, you were talking about like TikTok or something, mm-hmm. how like you're seeing just, you know, trend chasing and like your stuff is so the opposite of that. And I think you've done such a good job at like tr- staying true to yourself and like making the things that you want to get paid to make. Like you're just making videos that you find, you know, passion in. And like, I can really, I can feel it in your work. And I think your community can definitely feel that. I appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah. like, I don't ever want to bat like, cause I'm still, I'm trying to figure out a way to make my reels work. And yeah, there's a way to lean into it. But totally. like, if you're going to do TikTok, if you're going to do reels, you can make as many trendy reels to blow up as possible. Mm-hmm. But just all my only ask of like artists and creators mm-hmm. is just, just keep making sure you remind yourself like, mm-hmm. okay, what intention as an artist do I have? Like, what can mm-hmm. I make to make myself happy to feel myself as an artist that will then last that I can look back on and choke up on over a podcast right. and be like, that was dope. That mm. was really cool. And a film that really, you know, film photography, whatever you, it is you're doing, just make sure you're doing that. Because I think we're just, we're getting so much more lost in this world of like mm. more and more and more fast, fast, fast. And people really, really connect on like a community level to like people that make stuff that's mm-hmm. close to them. I also think the videos that you do, like some of my favorite things that you do is just like sit in front of the camera with a microphone and just talk. Yeah, Like it's not like a travel film or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And like that just feels so authentic. And even just like sitting down with you talking today, like how you come off in your videos is exactly how you are in real person. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I'm getting from this conversation. I think like kudos to you. And I just want to give you your flowers because like it's really hard to be your full authentic self. And of course, I think like whenever there's a camera pointing in your face, you're always going to be a little bit like, (laughs) you know, have Mm -hmm. a little bit of a filter or whatever. But I think you do a very good job of like coming off as yourself on camera and like bringing your authentic self to your content. I appreciate that. And it wasn't like you can still like you guys went deep into if you go deep enough to my YouTube channel, you can have you can find videos where I'm like at the end being like, you should subscribe. And it's awful. Like yeah. my there's a UC Davis video on my channel right now. And at the end, I send people like Facebook.com slash Sam Newton Media. And you can see how bad I am. Mm. And so like it really is a, a you have to do it. And you have to do it for long enough period of time to the point where once the camera's recording, you don't have to think about like, okay, it's recording. Here mm. I am. And like one little tip to people, I always try it like when you're making YouTube videos, people always think of it like Oh, thousands of people might see this. I'm gonna make this video for a thousand mm. people. Mm-hmm. Those like talking to the camera ones, I try to think of it as like, I'm talking to one person. Like, cause this is just me and you right mm. now. Who's the one person? Like, if it's a friend I'm trying to talk to, yeah. how would I then talk to them? How would I just talk to one person right now? And it makes, takes so much pressure off when I'm just hit record then. Cause it's just like, oh, what's up, dude? Okay. So this is what you got to do to do this. Yada, yada, yada. This is how I'm feeling. As opposed to like, this is a video for thousands of people because thousands of people are going to watch, but the experience, it's only going to be one Mm -hmm. or two people at a time really experiencing that with you. And that makes those like talking videos so much easier. Hell yeah. That's so great. Okay. Last question before you get, we let you get out of here. You've given so much like amazing advice to other creators. Mm -hmm. If you could give your 18 year old self, if you could talk to Sam, 18 year old, what would you say to him? And like, is there a piece of advice that you would give? Uh, yeah, I'll still hammer the same thing. Just always, always, always make sure you're giving yourself a little bit of time to to make a project that you really want to make. Mm. Like, it's so easy to just get lost. And like, I can repeat this hundreds of times because there's going to be a couple people that watch this and it's going to click and be like, dude, how? Mm. But, you know, it's a reminder that I always need. Like, I will say it a hundred times and I'll say it a hundred times more because it's a reminder that I'm not just saying this for other people. I'm saying it for myself. You're going to get lost and like life is going to take control and you have to make sure you're, you're just once or twice a year. You're like, this is a project I really want to make for no other reason than I want to make it. You know, it means something to me. I'm an artist. I want to make this just make sure you don't have to do that all the time. You don't have to give up on doing trends. You don't have to give up still do whatever you're doing fuel whatever you want to fuel, but just make sure once, twice, three times a year, it is a muscle that you need to work out, make something that you really love. And it feels good all the way around. Even if it doesn't perform well, you will have that then moment in your life forever to look back on and just be like, wow, that's where I was at that time. That's really cool. That was an honest film that I made and I was really proud of. You're going to look at back and be like, it kind of sucked or it kind of, but it's like, that was really where I was and that was really who I was. And so that's just what I, my biggest message to myself 10 years ago to anybody watching now. It's just no matter where you are. And that's the cool thing. It doesn't have to be 18 year old Sam. It could be 40 year old Sam. It could be 50 year old Sam. It's just like, keep making once a year, something that you're just really, really proud of. And it, then everything else starts to make a little bit more sense. I love it. That was amazing, oh, yeah. dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, where can oh, yeah, the people you. find you on social? 
Sam Newton, YouTube and Instagram. That's it. We check will out link it films. below. Yeah, seriously. Check out the new films. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to episode two of season two of the 505 podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, drop a comment down below, and we'll see you guys all next week. Peace. Peace. 505, baby. baby.